What's your favorite scary movie? LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello. Hello. I'm excited about this one. So we're, we're doing the taking of Deborah Logan this week, which is finally back from obscurity. It was really hard to find for a while after they took it off Netflix, like the DVD was really rare, and now it's on Shutter. So I'm like, well, hello, let's celebrate that. <laughs> Uh, um, had you seen this before, Al? I had not. What the hell was that? Sorry, I was trying to sit out there where it's on my phone. <laughs> Forgot to load the media volume off. <laughs> so we just get a faint. There, there we go. go. <laughs> That's okay. Better. Uh, no, I had not seen it before. Um, I'd seen it all the time when it was on Netflix, and I was just like, that kind of seems interesting. Maybe I'll watch that someday. And then they took it off Netflix. Yeah. So I was like, thank you for nothing. And then Shudder graciously put it on their servers so mm-hmm. we could finally watch it. So. Uh, what a movie. Yeah. Yeah, so it's about this um, film crew documenting, I guess, for like a school project, a, a woman with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, I first watched this Luckily, it was when it was still on Netflix. I watched it when Adam Robitaille got the job to direct Insidious, actually. I was like... Because I knew, I knew him as an actor. I'm like, let's see what this guy can do. And <laughs> it blew, blew me away. So I'm like, okay, we're in good hands. We're in good hands. Um, yeah, I just... I normally don't... I normally hate found footage movies. I usually hate them. This is like... This is like the an example of a good one, I guess. Like, yeah. what you can do with it. Like... I guess, because a lot of, I get it that, like, found footage movies in horror, especially, like, you can do it for low budget and everything, but that also just usually means really shitty quality, and I feel like all the beats are usually the same with a found footage horror movie, but this one's not. This one's just different, and it's really well-crafted. There's so much going into it. Like, Mm. I I just, it, it works for me way more than anything else. Um... I especially like the end, um, or like, because you always wonder, like, why are they still filming? And at the ending of this, it's literally because they're, it's the only light source they have. Uh, and yeah. then in the caves, I thought that was really cool. A legit reason to keep filming. Yeah. Instead of just, like, yeah. I don't know, I feel like, yeah, yeah like, all found found movies are just people, like, running around with a camera going, what was that? Ah! <laughs> like, okay, dude. <laughs> And there's a part where they're running and you hear like, okay. (laughs) I don't know if I'm making any sense right now. No, I I get you, I get you. Or just like, I can't see what the hell is happening. Yeah! And it's like... And and there is a way to use that to your advantage. It's like, oh shit, what can't I see right now? Um, you know. Ooh, as above, so below. That's so good. I like that one. Okay, I haven't seen Um, that one. Because, like, you can't really see, like, you can kind of see what's going on, but, like, the implication of what you can't see that, of 
like the whole thing is pretty cool. Maybe one day we can cover that one. Sure. Yeah, one I haven't my... seen it. Oh, it's on. I th- I think it is still on Netflix. Okay. Um, features one of my favorite female characters. She's cool. I like well, her. Well, hello. So. Well, speaking of female characters, there's, there's a plenty in this one. <laughs> oh my god, there's so many. I was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that this isn't just a... I mean, Deborah's the title character. It's the titular role. But... Um, <laughs> because it, And she has Alzheimer's, that's what this is about. But it's also... The focus is also about, like, her daughter, who, like has become her caretaker and it's like something like that's something that I had to go through with a parent and so like it's like this deals with really like real issues but then it gets more and more like fantastical obviously um I found a mm-hmm. quote with Adam Robitelm like why he decided to choose Alzheimer's and everything as the subject for the film and he said he said it's something he'd always been like terrified of and he had an uncle with it and he said, the idea that someone could lose their mind and be literally trapped inside their own bodies has always intrigued and horrified me. As I started to do research, I realized that the story is never about one person, often it's the caretaker that suffers the most. And he talks about, like, Alzheimer's as a, as a metaphor for possession and everything. It's, like, the reason he decided to collaborate all the yeah. yeah, I... You see the struggle that Sarah, her daughter, is going through, and it's, it's rough to watch. It's, like... And that the reason that they're doing yeah. this and agreeing to be filmed is because they need the money. Um, like, um, mm-hmm. Deborah was, like, a single mother. Her husband died when the when Sarah was, like, two, I think. And ran that switchboard thing. Oh, that switchboard scene was wild, yeah. man. <laughs> God! Yeah, did you... What Did any scenes, like, um, stand out for you in this? Because there's a lot of good, like, moments. The scene where she's, like kind of going around the house and then they like find her out in the garden just like stabbing oh, yeah. the dirt with the spade and then I was like what is going on? <laughs> What's happening? I like the footage right before that where he's like look at this and then she just like yeets up the kitchen counter yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <And> boom <laughs> she's just up there she- there she goes oh, there she goes <laughs> And they have the time footage doesn't change at all, so it's not like it was like a blip in the footage. It's like yeah, no, like that's just it's fucking creepy. Oh, what? <laughs> Big applause to the dude who left. He's like, I'm out. I, I'm gonna head out. I'm done. I know. <laughs> I'm about to head out. He's out, and then he just left, and you never saw him again. So I was like, that was he's that probably like, me. He's like, you you busted my mom's minivan. I'm out. <laughs> I relate to him, but I also relate to the students that need money. I probably would have stayed. Well, the the cameraman stayed yeah. for money, and then the girl, um, Mia, she's just a yeah. compassionate person. So, so cool yeah. for that. So I'm just looking at my. Notes. I barely took any notes just because I was so yeah. enthralled by the film. I hadn't seen it. I no, hadn't seen it in a long time, and it's just it's good. It there's never a dull moment. It's just <laughs> there really isn't. It's just so good, just all the way through. I really, I really like the setup that it has with the, um, with Deborah. just, like, she seems, like, just so chill and calm, and then, like, as she starts to tear, like, her, like, entire, like, 
physique starts changing mm-hmm. as well. Like her hair starts getting more disorganized looking, and her hairline's receding. receding. Yeah. yeah, Jill Larson did mm-hmm. so good. Just so good. This is another example of like a good role for like an older woman in horror. And usually, like possession films mm-hmm. are usually like young girls. So this is kind of um, yeah stands out in that sense too. Yeah. Um. Because this is ulti- this is does ultimately become a possession movie. She's possessed by that that serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Henry Desjardins. What? Henry Desjardins. Yeah. The, the French name. Yeah. Desjardins. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. The, yeah. The men in this are pretty much evil or useless. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. Checks out. Um, I can't believe it didn't do better in the box office. I'm just like looking at the how much it made. I'm just like, it doesn't seem like it should have. Mm. It should have made more. But well, I'm hoping it finds a new audience now with Shutter and with Adam Robitel doing really well in his directing career now because this was his first yes feature. Yes, I, think. I agree. He had done like, um, well, he did documentary stuff for him. I guess the elephant in the room is that Brian Singer produced this. I forgot about that. Mm. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> shit. Oops. Gosh dang it. I'm like, how can I give Adam Robitaille my money, but not Brian Singer? Is there an option for that? <laughs> Gotta find Adam Robitaille and be like, here's the money. <laughs> here's the money. Don't give any. <laughs> take, Don't give any. Just take some money. Well, yeah, it's actually uh, rising in popularity on IMDb, thanks to Shudder, probably. Well, hello! So it's like... And obviously, the whole world listens to this, so we're gonna boost the yeah. numbers up. We're just gonna boost that right <laughs> up there. So. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole, like, cast, I think, was really well-selected, because they played off each other really well, and just, like, the chemistry, whether it was positive or negative, was really... Like, you could not feel it, especially between Sarah and Deborah. Yeah. Since she's just, like, so, so stressed taking care of her. I know, I felt, I felt, I felt for her so much. Like, I know. I also, well, I'll, I'll get into the, a lot of what I t- want to talk about with Sarah is in the third portion of this, so, um, what was the true event that you had for this? Well, I managed to find somebody, uh, he is a psychiatrist that also helps spot demonic possession, uh, with, just, like, for free, he just does it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, his name is, uh, Richard Gallagher, and he actually wrote a article about his, what he does, um, in 2016 for the Washington Post, and he's been doing this since, like, the 1980s. So, uh, so in the 1980s, like, this is when his, his career first began, uh, he was introduced to a self-stylized satanic high priestess. Uh, she called herself a witch, and she dressed the part and acknowledged worshipping Satan, uh, like, she was his queen or something like that. I was like, okay. Uh, he was referred, uh, to, for his professional opinion by a Catholic priest based on his background because he was a man of science, he loved history, uh, and he trained in psychiatry at Yale in psychoanalysis at Columbia. 
uh, he was there to determine if the woman was suffering from a mental disorder or not. And this was at the time of, like, when the satanic panic was at its height. Uh, and a recent case had just happened where Virginia McMartin and others had been charged with alleged satanic ritual abuse at a Los Angeles preschool. And the charges were later dropped, uh, which had induced the hysteria at the time. And since he was, you know, more of a man of science, he was inclined to be skeptical about this whole uh, deal and thinking that, yeah, she's probably suffering from something. Um, but the subject's behavior exceeded what he could explain, despite all of his training. Um, she could tell people their secret weaknesses, such as undue pride. She knew how individuals she'd never known had died, including Gallagher's mother, which was by ovarian cancer. And six people had vouched during exorcisms performed on her that she was speaking multiple languages, including Latin, which she could not speak when it was outside of any of the exorcisms. Um, you couldn't describe it as psychosis, only like as paranormal ability. Uh, she was, in the end, possessed, and later on she allowed him to tell her story. So... The priest who had asked for Gallagher's opinion on that case was the most experienced exorcist in the country at that time. Uh, he told him, even as a practicing Catholic, he wasn't likely to go in for a lot of hocus-pocus, <laughs> his quote. And the priest replied, well, unless we thought you were not easily fooled, we would hardly have wasted, wanted you to assist us. So for the past two and a half decades after the 1980s, uh, and over seven, several hundred consultations, he's helped clergy from multiple denominations and faiths to filter episodes of mental illness, which is an overwhelming majority of the cases, uh, from being actual like people possessed by demons in their belief. He doesn't see these aspects of his career in conflict. Um, the same habits that shape what he does as a professor and psychiatrist, being open-minded, respect for evidence and compassion for suffering people, uh, let, lets him help aid in the work of discerning attacks by what I believe are evil spirits and just as critically differentiating these extremely rare events from medical conditions. Most of his colleagues and friends say that it's not possible to be a sophisticated psychiatrist and believe that evil spirits are, however, seldom assailing humans because most of their frequent contact with patients are deluded about demons or general skepticism of the supernatural and their commitment to employ only standard peer-reviewed treatments that do not potentially mislead or harm vulnerable patients. A careful observation of the evidence presented to Gallagher in his career uh, has led him to believe that certain extremely uncommon cases can be explained no other way. So the Vatican doesn't track global or countrywide exorcism, but in his experience, and according to priests that he has met, demand is rising. In the United States, yeah. <laughs> and this was back in 2016. The millennials are killing the exorcism industry. <laughs> Should've gone into that. Or I guess we're, or I guess it's rising because of us. Oh, man. Um, and in the United States at the time, is uh, home to about 50 stable exorcists. Uh, those have been designated by bishops to combat demonic activity on a semi-regular basis, which is up from just 12 about 10 years ago back in 2016. Damn! <laughs> yeah, according to the uh, Reverend Vincent Lampert, who is an Indiana police-based 
priest exorcist who is active in the International Association of Exorcists. He receives about 20 inquiries per week, which is double the number from when his bishop appointed him in 2005. So the Catholic Church has responded by offering greater resources for clergy members who wish to address the problem. In 2010, for instance, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops organized a meeting in Baltimore for interested clergy. And in 2014, Pope Francis formally recognized the IAE, 400 members of which are to convene in Rome back in October of 2016. Members believe in such strange cases because they are constantly called upon to help. And Gallagher served for a time as a scientific advisor on the group's governing board. Uh, unfortunately, not all clergy involved in this complex field are as cautious as the priests who first approached Gallagher. In some circles, there's a tendency to become overly preoccupied with putative demonic explanations and to see the devil everywhere. So, fundamentalist misdiagnosis or an absurd or even dangerous treatment such as beating victims has sometimes occurred, especially in developing countries. This is why perhaps why exorcism has a negative connotation in some quarters. People with psychological problems should receive psychological treatment and instead they end up on the wrong end. So Gallagher believes that he see the real thing. Talk too much. Um, assaults upon <laughs> individuals are classified either as demonic possessions or as a slightly more common but less intense attacks usually called oppressions. A possessed individual may suddenly, in a type of trance, voice statements of astonishing venom and contempt for religion while understanding and speaking various foreign languages previously unknown to them. The subject might also exhibit enormous strength or even the extraordinarily rare phenomenon on levitation. Uh, Gallagher has not witnessed levitation himself, but half a dozen people that he has worked with uh, vowed that they have seen it in the course of their exorcisms. Uh, he or she might demonstrate hidden knowledge of all sorts of things, like how a stranger's loved ones died, what secret sins she has committed, even where people are at a given moment. Uh, these are skills that not can, cannot be explained except by special psychic or preternatural ability. I can't open my damn door again. <laughs> I swear to God. Alright, keep it down. Um, Gallagher has personally encountered these rationally inexplicable features along with other paranormal phenomena. His vantage is unusual. As a consulting doctor, he thinks he has seen more cases of possession than any other physician in the world. Most of the people he's evaluated in this role suffer from the more prosaic problems of a medical disorder. So anyone even faintly familiar with mental illnesses know that individuals who think they're being attacked by malign spirits are generally experiencing nothing of the sort. Uh, practitioners see psychotic patients all the time who claim to see or hear demons, histrionic or highly suggestible individuals such as those suffering from dissociative identity syndromes and patients with personality disorders who are prone to misinterpret destructive feelings in what exorcists sometimes call a pseudo-possession via the defense mechanism of an externalizing projection, this quote. Um, but he's not quite sure what to make of patients who unexpectedly start speaking perfect Latin, <laughs> right? which is a very dead language. It's still being spoken, but fluently. Yeah, like that's, not a, really, like, that's not a feature of, like, dissociative identity disorder, is it? Like, you can't just... Like, that's what they were saying in the movie that Deborah has, and she's like, that she doesn't know fucking French. So she God. barfed up earthworms! <laughs> earthworms, people, yeah, come on. 
So Gallagher uh, approaches each situation with skepticism. He technically does not make his own diagnosis mm. of possession, but informs the clergy that the symptoms and questions have no conceivable medical cause. Mm -hmm. So that's when, like, they come in, I guess, and he is finished. Um, he's aware of the way many psychiatrists view this sort of work, and while the American Psychiatric Association has no official opinion on these affairs, the field, much like society at large, is full of unpersuadable skeptics and occasionally doctrinaire materialists who are often oddly vitriolic in their opposition of all things spiritual. His job is to assist people seeking help, not to convince doctors who are not subject to persuasion. Mm -hmm. He's been presently surprised by the number of psychiatrists and other mental health practitioners nowadays who are open to entertaining such hypothesis, mm -hmm. and many believe exactly what he does, though they may be reluctant to say it in front of others. Um, he's, he calls himself a man of reason a lot, and that he's tried to rationalize the, seeming, the seemingly irrational. Uh, questions about how a scientifically trained physician can believe such outdated and unscientific nonsense, as I've been asked, as he's been asked, uh, have a simple answer. Uh, he honestly weighs the evidence. He's been told simplicity that levitation defies the laws of gravity, and it's like, yes, it does. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> it does that sometimes. Um, he's says that we are not dealing with purely material reality, but this with the, like the spiritual realm. Uh, one cannot force these creatures to undergo lab studies or submit to scientific manipulation, and they will also hardly allow themselves to be easily recorded by video equipment, as skeptics mm -hmm. usually demand. Uh, the official Catholic catechism holds that demons are sentient and possess their own wills, and that as they are fallen angels, they are also craftier than humans, and that is how they sow confusion and seed doubt, after all. Uh, the church uh, the church does not wish to compromise a sufferer's privacy any more than doctors want to compromise a patient's confidentiality, which is why there's often not recording stuff during exorcisms. As a psychoanalyst, a blanket rejection of the possibility of demonic attacks seems less logical and wishful in nature, according to him, than a careful appraisal of the facts. Uh, as he sees it, the evidence for possessions is like the evidence for George Washington's crossing of the Delaware. In both cases, his written historical accounts with numerous sound witnesses testify to their accuracy. Um, ignorance and superstition have often surrounded stories of demonic possession in various cultures, and surely many alleged episodes can be explained by fraud, uh, mental pathology, or just people, like, a whole bunch of people orchestrating something to, like, grab attention, fuel up a whole bunch of, yeah. I uh, mean, rumors and I mean, are there statistics that you have that are, like, what's real versus what's a hoax? Like, does it mention that at all? I'm just um, curious. It does not. You may say, like, the, like, um, like the, if someone gets up to 20 cases a week, how many of those are, like, legitimate? I'm just wondering. I guess I could look into Probably, like, 75% uh, would probably be because of, like, yeah. a mental illness that's been undiagnosed. Um, and then, like, 10, like, 10% would maybe mm -hmm. legit, and then, like, there's, like, 5% that's, like, faked, probably. Um, the anthropologists mm -hmm. agree that nearly all cultures have believed in spirits, and the vast majority of societies, including our own, 
uh, have recorded dramatic stories of spirit possession despite varying interpretations and multiple depictions of the same phenomena in astonishingly like consistent ways like over all these different cultures uh, accumulate evidence of their credibility so uh, Gallagher says in the end however that it was not an academic or dogmatic view that propelled him into this line of work uh, he was asked to consult about people in pain and he's always thought that if requested to help a tortured person, a physician should not arbitrarily refuse to get involved. Those who dismiss these cases unwittingly prevent patients from receiving the help they desperately require, either by failing to recommend them for psychiatric treatment, which is very needed, or by not informing their spiritual minister to something beyond um, a mental or other illness seems to be the issue. So for any person of science or faith, it should be impossible to turn one's back on a tormented soul, no matter uh, where it's coming from, mentally or into the into the spiritual realm. So that's, if you ever need anybody to like, is this guy possessed or does he need help? You can just call, call up Richard Gallagher. So, so. <laughs> Richard Gallagher. Yeah, well, I found it interesting so. that this movie didn't, really bring religion to, into it as much. Like, she talks to a priest briefly, and he's just like, exorcisms aren't real, leave me alone. And she's like, okay. My mom's definitely possessed, yeah. though, and they had to find, like, another route for it with the whole, like, the ri- finding out what the rituals were and burning the body and everything, and that's how they solved everything. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, we, yeah. like Xander had mentioned in the Insidious episode, like, that sometimes it's... Because, like you said, it's not just strictly... Possessions or spirits don't have to be st- specifically a, a Catholic thing, like every culture and religion has their own ideas of it um so i thought it was interesting to see a possession movie that wasn't really about religion as much it's like touched upon but not that's that wasn't the it wasn't like a demon from from hell it was just a a serial killer it was uh, just an evil person from earth that haunted her from the afterlife yeah yeah it's interesting yeah yeah exactly yeah like mm-hmm. with the sacrifices, yeah. Oof. So. <laughs> what? Yeah, that, that guy's not very nice. I'm not a fan. <laughs> just, just die. Accept your fate, sir. <laughs> you lived. Goodbye. So now we get to move on to the portion when we read the. Oh really my god! Done. I'm so happy. So. <laughs> is this gay portion? I mean, it's. I mean, a lot of times we talk about subtextual stuff, but there's a lot of just like actual gay shit happening here. But, and, and just, like... Yes. That's not what the movie's about or anything. You know what I mean? Like, well, so, so first of all, yeah. Adam Robitel is gay. Um, so yes. we've got a, a gay director, writer, uh, or no, he didn't write it. Um, he helped, he helped write, write it? it. Okay. Yes. Off to a great start. Alright. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Sarah, I just, I just love her character in general, but she is very much a lesbian. <laughs> And there, there was just so, so many little things I appreciated about this, and I know, I know that Adam Romtel has a lesbian sister. I'm wondering if that like influenced the choice to do this and like what went into hmm. this because even, even just like starting off like her all of, her, all of her wardrobes. Oh my god, yeah. I would wear everything that she wore in this. But she's so cute at the beginning. She's got, she's like, oh, she's like, oh, I have to be, I have to be all tucked in for the, for the camera crew, and she has like. She has, she's buttoned all the way up to the top with her little flannel. She's so cute. And then, and then like her, the interactions that she has with Deborah, there's so many little like microaggressions 
that Deborah like says and does to oh, her yeah. that are just so fucking real. Like commenting on her shirt, like, well, why don't you ever wear a nice blouse? And like calling her girlfriend that she lives with her lady friend. Like little things like that. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I feel that. Been there. <laughs> um, it just adds an extra um, level of authenticity to that. Um, I just. I think we should have queer stories that in both sides, like one where like this is very much a queer a queer story, and th- those are that's what the movie's about. But you can also have the flip side as this is an example where like it's just a straight up horror movie, and then one of the characters is a lesbian, but she's doing her own thing. She's that's not what it's about. It's about her and her mother yeah. and being a caretaker for her mother. But then you you still get to see little glimpses yeah. of what that relationship is like and the the little microaggressions and struggles that happen between them based on her sexuality. And also, oh, yeah, and she was, like, sent away to boarding school when she was ten for being caught kissing a girl. So it's very clear that there's, like, some yeah. unresolved tension between her and her mother about her sexuality. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't... Then I also, like, because I think she was also sent away, too, because, like, uh, DeJardins was also gonna, like, use yeah. her as, like, the final victim, too. So I th- think it was, like, partially <laughs> that, and then, like, the girl, her kissing me and kissing another girl was probably just, like, yeah, okay, definitely oh. sending her away, apparently. <laughs> was it, I can, I can excuse my daughter being used in a ritual sacrifice. <laughs> I draw the line! I, <laughs> I draw the line at lesbianism. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I don't know how I was on the subject, but, like, I was just, like, thinking of horror movies where... First of all, it's a narrow margin of horror movies with lesbian characters. It's even smaller horror movies where the lesbian lives, and this was one of the fucking few I could think of. Yeah. Like, even... Like, there have been a few recently, like, the the most recent Unfriended or New Year, New You, where there are lesbians in it, but they fucking die. They're not the the primary characters. They're, like, secondary characters that get that get killed off for the the lead character to live, you know? But Sarah's, Sarah's a main mm. character. Like, there's, it, like, yeah. I think it's three main protagonists, and they're all women. It's, it's like Deborah, yeah. Sarah, and Mia. And the guys are just there. <laughs> guys are there <laughs> to, to film, film and this. Yeah, right. exactly. And to get drunk and start shooting a vans. <laughs> yeah. Even like, yeah, even the doctor's a woman. Like, that's just a... There's a great female presence to this movie that I appreciate, too. Yeah, honestly. It felt like... Because usually so many horror movies feel so male-dominated. Like, even just, like, not even the, mm-hmm. like, spirits or anything, but just, like, the characters. And so to have, like, something... It was almost like Ocean's 8. I was like, is this how guys <laughs> feel all the time? Oh like, my just... God. I feel same. <laughs> Taking of Deborah Logan, the ocean state of horror movies. <laughs> cut, cut the check. All right, we're done. We're done. God, I feel like that's the perfect send up. Yeah, I just hope this. I'm hoping this finds a bigger audience now, especially now that it's on Shutter. Oh yeah, it's like you got you guys got to put it in your like. I don't know if they could put it in their LGBT, but I guess, like, they should anyways. Just they definitely should. LGBT oh, characters. yeah, they have a queer horror section. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, right after this, I'm going to go check and see if it's there. <laughs> Tell me, Shudder, have you uh, put it there? It, it probably is. All right. Do your job. 
Your one job. <laughs> one job. Um, no, yeah, this was like, it was so good and just truly like, I feel like you get to have, so like, older women especially, mm-hmm. had like having such like a, a role in this movie that's so prominent and she just did such a good job with it. So, like, obviously, I'm also like super, like, I got reminded today that, um, Oh, shoot, what's her name? Um, she was in the term, the original Terminator movie, and she's back. Linda Hamilton? For the, oh, yeah, yeah, Linda Hamilton. Okay, I was like, last name, I know it's Hamilton. I can't think of her first name. And just, like, like just letting older women play roles instead of just, mm-hmm. like, shoving young ones in, but letting, like, old men, like, play their original roles and stuff. I'm like, yeah, can we please just, like, have more women that are mm-hmm. older? Because... That'd be just hey, Hall- Halloween, baby. Halloween. Halloween. The like, next step will also be bringing in women to make these movies. I should, I should yeah. point out. I should point out that every this and the other two movies we're talking about are written and directed by men. So I, sh- I yeah. feel. I just feel the need to note that. Like it's great that what we're no, doing in front of the screen, but behind the screen would be great too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Because, um, I would love to see some of my favorite directors, like, co-direct with a woman. Yeah, or even, like, um, get them to co-write it with you. Like, it's just collaboration that we're yeah. asking for. Like, I don't think that's too hard. I don't know. <laughs> spare bones, sir? Can we have the spare? <laughs> hello? Please? I hate, uh, I hate my doorbell rang the other day. My first thing that I did was say oh hello God. really loudly. Yeah, I need to stop saying that outside of oh my this God. realm. I can't, I can't be saying that in the real world. <laughs> can't be saying it. Um, but I am excited for Oh, Black hell Christmas yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have a holiday. We're going to, it's going to be a national fucking holiday when Black Christmas comes. So ready. Yeah. Excited. Do you want to wind down? Yeah, sure. Would Would you like to go I first? Can. Or I m- sure. much much to think about. Tell what you talk up. about? I've been consuming so much fucking horror because it's October. Um. Yeah. I did a lot of. Re- I did some rewatches. I rewatched. Um. I watched. I just saw Scream yesterday at the New Beverly, like a matinee that was like sold out, and that was really fun. I'd never seen it in a theater before. Nice. I also rewatched Ravenous last night just because one of my favorites and they had talked about it on Switchblade Sisters um but you there was Perfect. a we dedicated an entire episode to Ravenous so I won't talk about that um I watched <laughs> Little Monsters on Hulu that just dropped that was really good um it's Hi. about so Lupita Nyong'o is this um kindergarten teacher in Australia and there's a zombie outbreak at, during their field trip to the zoo <laughs> And oh and so God. it's about her like trying to both physically protect them from being eaten by zombies, but also like protect their, make sure they're not traumatized by it. So she's trying to make them believe that it's like all a game, basically. And the oh, the yeah. chaperone, the adult chaperone that's there with her, is like, "What are you talking about?" And also, but also more importantly, Josh Gad <laughs> is there as this like this, like, children's TV host that actually, like, hates children and hates his life, and it's so- I feel like this was, like, 
therapeutic for him as someone who's only known for kids' movies now to just play this, like, asshole. <laughs> this asshole kid show host. He's so funny. And Lupita's great. This is her... This is the year Lupita Nyong'o horror. And we're just living in it. Um, I love it. And I also... I watched The Innocence, which... I don't, I don't know what the fuck, man. <laughs> it was the the like 1961. The 1940s. Innoc- mm-hmm. Yeah. 1961, um, okay, yeah. Much to think about. I, don't, I just felt I should mention it. And I'm also... I'm <laughs> reading, um, oh, yeah, I want to talk about... I'm reading Alice and Frida Forever... It's this kind of true crime book about in the 1890s in Memphis, there were these two teenage girls who were in love and wanted to, like, run away and elope and get married, um, and they got discovered, like, the night that, the night that they were supposed to run away, and so after one of them was rejected, she killed the other one, and, yeah, um... Oh my god. But it's so fascinating. Um, because it's about, it's about the before and aftermath, like, the kind of thesis that the, the author of this has, like, she did, she did her research, she did all this research, and it's really, like, her kind of thesis is that, isn't it interesting that what was so scandalous about all of this to people at the time was not that she got murdered, but that the motivation was that she loved this other girl. They were like, how could- what? That's insanity! Like, that was the insanity, please, grounds, was that she was claiming to be in love with this other girl. Um, it's really, it's really interesting. I, I had heard about it because Jennifer Kent has been wanting to adapt it for years, and I think she's finally- she's working with Amazon Studios. I'm like, please, 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 I'm just like, please, please. Yeah. So that's what please, I've been doing. please. Yo, you need oh, no. a woman behind the camera for I that not, story. I would not allow a man to touch it. No. Please. Yeah, especially Jennifer Kent. Like, no, when I'm no, reading no, no, this no, no, and no. thinking about her doing it, I'm like, oh, please. Oh, my God. Please. So what have you been, what have you been That's watching? That's what we want. Um, I have... Uh, actually, I finished The Iceman last oh, week. Oh, Um, And yeah, it's just fuck wild. Just this guy. Just everything that he did. Wow. And then I rewatched the trailer for the film because I'd seen the film mm-hmm. first. And I was like, this is different than what I remember. Because <laughs> Richard Kuklensky, he was like, he could be like the nicest guy, but when he got mad, it was like scary. Like he, he abused his wife. He like never touched his kids, but like he did beat his wife and they didn't make it seem like that mm-hmm. in the in the trailer, but then again, they, they could just be fooling you. Um, I'd have to rewatch it, and I'm just like, yeah, maybe. Um, so I've been doing that, and I started reading uh, The Second Sex by Simone de Beauvoir. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it, it takes you, like, it's one that you have to sit down and, like, focus reading, because she, like, it's really in-depth, like, kind of big words that I had to, like, go over again, and I was like, oh, okay, I get that now. <laughs> and it's not just, like, I can, like, just go, oh, okay, like, just flip through the book and get through it quickly. Like, I have to sit there and take time to understand it. But it's really good so far, and I really, I'm enjoying it. Um, and then after that, I have the library at Mount Char to read, which I heard is an excellent, um, I think it's a sci-fi book, or it's, like, a thriller kind of book. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. 
so it was pretty popular back when I was at Barnes mm. Noble so um other than that I watched the third Invisible Man movie which is the Invisible Woman hey. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's not a horror movie at all because it's more slapstick comedy but like I I don't know I I for the 1940s time of when it was released it's pretty damn like like having her be like this confident like kick-ass woman that just like she literally turns invisible and then the first thing she does is go out and like find her boss and shut him in a window and kick his ass literally (laughs) kick him in the ass i'm not even joking like such good for her and like of course there is the hand-fisted romance Mm. and the like so many like talking about she's naked while she's invisible and like obviously it didn't happen with the invisible man but like what they they acknowledged it they acknowledged that in it is that what you mean oh they were just like they were talking about she's like how Uh she's naked while she's i mean the invisible invisible. man was definitely also naked i guess they just (laughs) they're just not ready for that conversation (laughs) (laughs) not ready for it and like several times she like she put on like stockings at one point so like one of the guys could see where she was or something in the room um but I don't know. She was just like outsmarting all these guys and just like had like making them chase their tails ty- at times, and it was great. And at one point, the guy that's like supposed to be her romantic interest, who's like practically like the 1940s equivalent of a himbo, like comes in to try to rescue her. And she's like, let's see if he's like really dedicated. And she like starts shooting a gun at his car. <laughs> so I was like, good for her. Um, uh, so I watched that and I recently I'm on I just finished the third episode of Chernobyl and I'm having a time because <laughs> that's all it's a lot um definitely not for the faint of heart uh especially when they get to like the effects of the radiation on mm-hmm. your body so like oh that's gross yeah I don't know if I can that. do it <laughs> but you could easily, you could easily do it. Um, I was texting Sydney, and I was just like, I wouldn't leave without my pets, and you'd have to kill me first. And then Sydney texted back, and she was like, well, no pets allowed. And I'm like, well, then you're just going to have to kill me. <laughs> I ain't leaving without my cats. Um, and there were people, apparently, that did stay behind. Now I get to find out what happened to them, so I am looking forward to that. your grandma, but I'm different. Um... So, that's, um, all that I've really been up to lately. Um, I need, I need to finish the Invisible Man series so I can get started on the Wolfman series. Because I have that to watch. And then, like, just, just so I need to rewatch The Birds, what I need to do. Because I haven't seen that since I was very young oh. and my dad turned it on TV made me very afraid of birds for a long time. <laughs> All I remember is the birds trying to get through the boards and, like, just slamming themselves into windows and stuff, and I was like, this is great for my eight-year-old self to see. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> it's about the trauma. It's about the childhood trauma. <laughs> Watch the evil dead too young. This is what it does to you. Uh, so... Yeah, that's just, that's pretty much what I've been uh, up to, so I'm trying to watch also more movies and stuff directed by women, so I might start on this huge-ass list that I found of, like, shorts and 
TV shows, series, and films uh, directed by women, no matter how awful they say they are rated, because we know that uh, Sam's a liar. No, so I've definitely times. watched some shitty movies specifically because they're directed by women. I'm like, women are allowed to make bad movies, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also, I, I mean, I have a letterbox list of, they're like features of horror directed by women, and I can also, mm-hmm. um, one of my mutuals compiled like a list of stuff that's streaming because she's a goddess um so i can share those if you want hell yeah please do would love it so uh if you haven't watched taking of deborah logan please watch it especially if you Mm -hmm. have shutter it is great you will not regret it and just thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Kate? I'm at Dyke Madden on Twitter. So. <laughs> uh, I'm at LM Designs on Twitter. Uh, and you can also find the podcast uh, on there as well at Horror Time Pod and on Facebook at Stop Horror Time Pod. Uh, you can give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your favorites. Um, just comment and say if you liked it or if there's anything you'd love to see us uh, cover. Um, and you can also send us an email at stophorrortime at gmail.com. Uh, so just spread the word, you know, tell all your friends and family <laughs> if they love listening to podcasts specifically about uh, queer horror stuff. That'd be <laughs> even better. Um, We love you guys, Uh, and we will see you next week. Bye.